Welcome to the new episode of the podcast, A Journey into Fraud Prevention, where I try to figure out with my guest how did they end up in fraud prevention and what keeps them there. I'm your host Ivan, and in this episode I'm joined by Dmitry Emilianov, who is Fraud Prevention Manager at Yandex. Dmitry is working with Art Fraud and he will share with us some aspect of it. For more, please relax and listen. Поехали! Dmitry, thank you for joining us today. I know you're one of the listeners of our podcast and you already know the first question. But to the listeners who join us today, fraud prevention. What is fraud prevention for you? Hi, Ivan. Thanks for having me. I think when people first hear about fraud prevention, what comes to people's mind is, for example, banks, card monitoring system or manual content moderation processes. But this is only a tip of the iceberg. So... To clarify, let's break down into several examples into what goals of fraud prevention could be. Uh, the first goal, in my opinion, is to making customer journey safe and seamless. The well-known fraud examples here could be third-party fraud with card not present operations, internet bank account takeover, or employee direct stealing from the customer account. In my sphere, in internet ads, it could be the case that somebody is trying to click all the budget of some advertiser's campaign to uh, make his competitors spend money just in vain. The second goal of fraud prevention could be protecting business by itself. Here, fraud cases or uh, fraud scenarios could not be connected with end users or end customers. For example, when employee manipulates with card limits or the crypto or forex exchange are being abused for making multinational transfer. Uh, it is not a direct purpose and business is under risk of some sanctions, in, especially in different jurisdictions where such kinds of businesses are working. I want to emphasize that there are some kind of businesses for which fraud prevention must be in its core. Uh, for example, retail lending or online advertising, or I can't imagine search engines working with no fraud prevention at all, because in that case, search result would be absolutely irrelevant. So to wrap up, I would say that fraud prevention is a set of measures aimed to make business operation working smoothly, to make business able to increase quality or to deliver new products to the market. And what is the most important thing, I guess, is to keep losses in preset boundaries to make them predictable to the board or to the stakeholders. Uh, thank you for describing it in, in a section perspective. However, when you, you know, it is makes sense for someone who working in fraud prevention. It, it definitely makes sense. Uh, each of the board, I believe everyone going to sign in under it. However, if you try to describe to someone who is not in this area or for example, so I know you're working in the um, Google version of search company uh, in Russia. It's called Yandex. And uh, let, let's say someone decided to choose a company um, like that. Company provides opportunity to use from prevention there. And, you know, for someone, it's a matter of cost to say, I don't want to use external protection because um, it's going to cost me a lot. I don't believe my business uh, going to be abused by uh, frosters. Do you believe that 
fraud prevention aspect is kind of underestimating by someone or it just like hide it from most of the world and the people just start to figure out, start to care about fraud prevention when they face with the problem. All right. I will answer it first from the helicopter view. I believe that every business must have some measures or controls that its operation are being done as it was intended in the start. It could be done with either fraud prevention processes or with a classic cybersecurity. For example, when we don't allow AAs, database administrators, to correct something and we protect our customers without them even being aware of it. I think you would be regret if once you opened your internet bank, you would see zero balance there, right? <laughs> so uh, it's not only about fraud prevention, it's about uh, working. It's about business by itself. Do we need to use external tools to prevent fraud, to prevent some process from fraud? It also depends from the business. Let's consider in my example, where I'm working now in Yandex, in advertising, I think around 20% of traffic is being blocked because of the fraud filters. What does it mean for the end user? It means that uh, with no fraud, fraud prevention protection, the majority of users will be spend their money for nothing. So I think this is example of the core of the businesses where fraud prevention must be in its core. Speaking about other examples, we all know about banks. I think that bank could buy some external tool and there are pros and cons like everywhere. It depends on what is comes with it in a package, whether it will have some analytical support or not, whether it will, it will decrease the latency of uh, some transaction, etc., etc., etc. Did I answer to your question, Ivan? Yeah. You are. I, I mean, at least for me, and I believe everyone who listens to this podcast definitely uh, follows the thread that you describe here. And um, how long have you been in fraud prevention industry? Well, I do fraud prevention for almost nine years now. I've been working in different sites of fraud prevention. I started in consulting. Later, I was working in a vendor because my company had its own solution. And currently, I worked as we used to say, in-house. So I protect the business by itself with its end customers. Is it differences between working with consulting and um, in a company who provides solutions? What, what, what do you mean the company who provides uh, solutions? That we provide the end yeah, product for our customers? That's right. Uh, and, and our customers are not connected to fraud prevention by themselves. Right? But in general, in uh, your experience, you work in, in different companies. Um, do you see, is it actually you need to know different aspects or do you, you learn something in your company and you can apply it uh, without additional knowledge, without additional, uh, I don't know, expertise? The same is, uh, as, uh, you know, when you start to ride a bike, you just like, you learn it once and you can uh, ride the bike uh, during your life. Is it the same? Uh, I, I get the question. The principles are, are the same. It is all about stop uh, somebody lost the money or other assets. But the subtleties are different. I would say that consulting is more about sales. It's more about providing pilots and pushing the idea where fraud prevention must be developed 
which uh, processes or uh, IT systems must we protect in the next stage. Working in-house is about the diving into the deep. So we cover process by process, detail by detail, and do it consequently. Let, let's break down into several examples. When I was working in consulting, the hardest thing was to find something interesting in others' company infrastructure. How uh, usual companies ask some consulting company to help them. They could not be even aware of uh, some fraud having place in their infrastructure and in their processes. Some of them might be following some uh, fancy trends that (laughs) my competitor used to call that consultant and I will call too. And usually we started with getting into the customer's infrastructure with no contract sign, providing a pilot project, finding some interesting cases in their data, some real losses. And after that, we would develop our strategy of development for that particular customer. Working in-house, it's a little bit different because when we are protecting our, our own product or group of products, we have a lot of stakeholders. We have a lot of cross-functional teams who are aware of what's the problem right now. And with fraud prevention processes or filters, we could protect not only uh, protect customers not only from fraudsters, but also we could increase our product. For example, how internet ads working. When you see a banner, it calls some API and says, it is show, I was showed. Then somebody clicked on the banner. Another API is called and says, I was clicked. And uh, for, for example, duplicated clicks or duplicated shows could be also filtered in fraud prevention platform. Not only some uh, some filters which are against abuse at a particular advertising campaign. I have follow up questions about like advertising in general uh, because um, generally speaking, I don't have much knowledge about it. I have like hypothetically understanding how that work. Um, and this for me was a shock like a long time ago when someone told me that uh, you know we have a fraud prevention for advertising and I just my first pressure was uh, is it like fraud there what's the point to do a, a, any controls in place and uh, as you described someone can click multiple times on a banner that uh, feels with to two different ways first one it's a wrong expectation from the company so all metrics screw up. That's the expectation that a specific banner going to be a huge deal and that they're going to start to populate it in more different sites, more different areas. And the second, that every time when someone click it, you're supposed to pay for this click, even if it's like a small amount of money. However, one click might cost, I know, uh, one cent, but 10 clicks, it's already like 10 cents. So, uh, and not best to say to we face it, it it's be- best to say, is it well-known business nowadays um, that someone just created a bot, just click at one banner like, I know, millions time to show increase of the business in that kind of business, maybe it's then going to sell themselves because they say, you can see how we populate it, how we just like fake clicks. And uh, in a way, how are you working with fraud prevention? The question is, this is very unique area of knowledge. Do you think it's supposed to be more public way? Or 
remain more close faith for someone who working with advertising in general? What do you think about it? Well, I think that this domain of knowledge, advertising fraud in particular, and online ads, it is quite close domain of knowledge. It is not widespread uh, as end user and maybe customer or just user of it. You don't have to know what is inside under the hood. You can just use it to be satisfied with it or not. And in case if you're not satisfied with it, uh, advertising platforms need to either increase their quality or to protect from fraud better, right? And about the goals of fraudsters in ads, in general, there are two kinds of frauds. The first one is, uh, as I said before, uh, somebody's trying to click competitor's budget. Here, the end customer suffers and it could be connected with either low traffic quality. For example, when there are a lot of ads in some uh, application, which uh, is used by kids who are playing games there and they are doing misclicks. This is one case. Or somebody created a lot of bots to click all the budget of, of somebody's competitors. And he's trying to do search requests in order to, to click on his competitor's banner. The, the, second, the second example is uh, how it works. The online platforms buy traffic from suppliers. It could be some networks or chains or some aggregators, or it could be some sites or applications. The site could be good by, by, by itself, but another could be absolutely irrelevant with no decent content in it. And all visits on that site might be, uh, might, might be created by bots. And our goal to uh, distinguish those sites and applications who has no decent amount of organic traffic and to ban it uh, because here we not, not only decrease the quality of our service, we also have direct losses as a buyer of that traffic. Thank you for um, this detailed description how this kind of fraud works. One day when I have super popular and I need to work with my competitors, I definitely know how to reduce uh, <laughs> reduce their traffic <laughs> platform. Uh, in general, you know, fraud prevention, it's not uh, something popular. Uh, and specifically, I, I don't know what about you, but sometimes when people ask me where I'm working uh, and I say fraud prevention, everyone just, yeah, okay, okay, if something with fraud. That's right. But how you decide to go that way? Is it uh, a specific degree or uh, you might one day woke up and, and uh, read some newspapers say, yeah, I'm this guy who going to against the bad guys and they uh, prevent everything. What is your story behind it? Well, I think it's quite usual because my university thesis topic was the usage of neural networks in issuer banks fraud prevention system. So I started my way in fraud prevention sitting in the dorms room uh, coding my first uh, fraud project. And at that time I realized that mm, job job might be interesting. And uh, I decided to keep developing in this career path. For other people who are just uh, thinking about being involved in fraud prevention, I would say that first of all, it's about the special way of thinking a special way of taking decisions and it's also demanding to attention to details. I think these qualities must be put on the first place and not some special education. 
On this second place, uh, I would put ability of using some some tools like SQL, Python, or machine learning because it's very useful and I can't imagine my uh, not a single day without using of these these tools. As about special degree and some specification specialization, I believe that it is applicable only for special very unusual or domains which we as a inhabitant don't see in our everyday life. What comes to my mind is corporate finances or accounting in general. Uh, the institutions is about knowledge of domain by itself, not about fraud in particular. Specifically about last sent sentence that you mentioned. I saw that one before in my career that uh, specifically from marketing perspective, um, people who working, for example, as a business analyst in the marketing, they saw a lot of the not the right things in the reporting. They start to investigate and then found some kind of pattern. And at the end, they decide to move to the fraud prevention part. But I saw a different example when the people work with fraud prevention couldn't find anything and decide to go in an above. So do you believe that the fraud prevention is the same way as a different career path? It's uh, 30% of the luck that you find something interesting and 70% of the knowledge uh, in the specific domain. Or it's majority, like, I don't know, 99% of cases, um, you be good in the fraud prevention if you know a specific domain. I would say that the essential thing for fraud prevention is to clearly understand the path of your customer or of any different entity who is involved in that process to understand the checkpoints of it and what kind of data it might produce, which you can analyze and use in your investigation. And the second ingredient of being successful in fraud prevention, I think, is understanding that there are no silly questions. If you see, for example, a direct credit transfer, uh, you might ask yourself, what will happen if I will put some account number in the details field? Will it influence my transfer or not? And the answer on that question uh, might differ from payment system to payment system. So I would say the hunger of details makes you successful in fraud prevention and not other knowledges. If you don't have knowledge, you can have it in a short time. I like it. This is uh, in line with what I thought about in general. And uh, all, all the knowledge and all the skills you can build during the time. However, just if you're not the person who look on specific like kind of discovering part, that's maybe maybe harder to work in fraud prevention. However, you know, it's multiple positions. For example, manual review, which is part of fraud prevention, is not require a lot of uh, investigation parts. It's requiring to check uh, several conditions. If they match, just click approve. If they're not, click uh, decline. And um, plenty of people around the world happy with uh, that section. However, you mentioned about institution uh, in general. I usually ask people, do we need fraud institution? But I want to ask different uh, kind of questions. Do you believe it's going to be worse or the bad sign if we will have this kind of institution for fraud? Like, I know, for example, if tomorrow uh, it's going to be requirements worthwhile 
to have specific specific certificate um, to work with fraud prevention. So I got the question. Thank you. But first of all, uh, to come back to your statement about uh, people who work in manual reviews that there is no requirement for having a specific knowledge or skills. It depends. Even if you'll consider uh, our familiar bank's processes, how would this average person explore the transaction which is made, for example, by, by VIP user? I don't think it will it will obey the ordinary scripts or rules or checklists uh, these reviewers do have. So uh, I wanted to say that even in a manual review team, you have a lot of possibilities to explore, to show yourself and to evolve. Yes, it is a little bit harder than in the third line, for example, when you're working on improving the quality of your filtration. Uh, you can move from team to team and it is your chance. Answering to the question about fraud institution and some mandatory uh, certifications, I think that one can learn principles, uh, recipes, and taking into account that uh, fraudsters and fraud fighters are influence each other and living in perpetual loop, feedback loop, I think that those knowledge would be getting older with a high speed. So I saw several examples when the government was trying to create fraud institutions or the services or systems where uh, banks could exchange the information about committed fraud in order to protect other banks from such fraudsters, users with their passport data, etc., etc. But in the majority of cases which I saw, the new banks who received that recommendation, for example, to put that user on their blacklist already knew about it because that speed was not enough. I think in general, having that regulation or institution which will organize all players in some domain is lucrative. But it, it must be answer to the real fraud evolving tempo. So it must be speeded up. Thank you regarding your opinion about manual review. I agree with you what I meant when I described that manual review team. Uh, I didn't mean that uh, it is low skill team. I know a lot of the people who work in the manual review team and they are very skilled and they are looking for opportunity, they hunger to more and more knowledge and uh, grow in the fraud career path. But in a huge corporations, uh, most of the time, many of your team responds for just clicking two buttons, approve or decline if the transaction met or did met certain conditions. The, regarding the education, you mentioned really great point that uh, this degree that might be exist in the fraud area is very useful, but it's might go on like in next day when it's published because it's very dynamic area. And uh, Dmitry, have you been victim of fraud? Yes, I will tell a hilarious story about it. Uh, when I was living in Istanbul, I was uh, having a stroll and I saw a guy who dropped a shoe brush. I said to him, hey, you dropped a shoe brush because I thought that this brush was his, the only tool how he can earn money. And I was right. 
but this tool was the way how he managed to earn money from me. So I left him with no 200 liters in my pocket and uh, several stains on my sneakers. It is the only case of committed fraud t- to, towards me, which I could remember, but I do have uh, a lot of phone calls with the so- social engineering attempts to get my passwords, one-time passwords, or answers to the questions which will help to restore my account somewhere. And I have a lot of efficient mails, but I, I managed to get through it. So I'm not a victim of fraud. But I, I believe you have plenty of services when someone call you say, um, I'm head of um, security department from, uh, and um, especially in cases when you have Visa card and they say, uh, we're from MasterCard and we need to block your Visa card. And some people, oh my God, <laughs> I need to do it. Where is my Visa card? <laughs> That's crazy, crazy word. Actually, you reminded me about the stories when fraud prevention was not well developed and uh, when real chief information security officers was calling uh, to ask whether that person uh, has done that operation or not. You thought it is uh, fake, but it was real, yeah? (laughs) Yes, I wanted to emphasize that uh, back to the days it was really possible that the head of security department will call you by themselves. I have one question left. We briefly discussed it before, and uh, I would love to hear maybe some more information from you, if you have that one. So first of all, would you recommend fraud prevention as career path for someone who is looking to change their career or change what they're doing right now or looking for a first job? And the second one, you already share a lot of your opinions, but maybe you give us a bit, uh, some more advices for people who just sitting right now and struggling to join fraud prevention. Definitely, I could recommend to join the fraud prevention path because I remember myself doing my first, uh, my, my first project and I caught myself in that flow condition for the first time. And if you feel that you're in that flow condition also, thinking about fraud prevention, about different schemes and ways how you can steal money or somebody could steal money or different assets, you truly could consider getting into. A bit of advice, as I said before, there are no stupid conjectures. Ask, seek, suggest. This is way how fraud fraudsters do. And this is what fraud prevention fighters fraud prevention specialists do to prevent, not just to react. I think that's it. You know, you just like remind me these words that I'm here every time when uh, I'm just using public transport here in the United Kingdom. They say, see it, say it, sort it. So you kind of repeat on the way which is related to fraud prevention. It is time to end our episode. Thank you once again, Dmitry. It was a pleasure to have a chat with you. I learned a lot of the stuff. And uh, for everyone who working with advertising fraud, I'm definitely recommend this podcast and all the advices that you can hear from Dmitry, who has significant experience in fraud prevention, specifically in that area. It, it is very valuable information and uh, useful 
this you can easily to apply to your day-to-day -day work. If you like this episode, I encourage you to please share it with your friends. Don't forget the rating and subscribe as well. It really means a lot for me, for someone who is spending time to work on this podcast and try to share more knowledge about fraud prevention and someone who participate here as well. My pleasure, Ivan. Let me end our episode with my favorite word. Cut. <laughs>